welcome to Stacy on the Right, the podcast hosted by FamilyVisionMedia.org and <laughs> the Alliance for Shared Health. I love having you here and I want to ask you to check out the podcast, share it, share it among your network. And don't forget to sign up for our newsletter that we have every week coming out of Family Vision Media. You can sign up for that over at FamilyVisionMedia.org. Uh, so we have wonderful, wonderful guests today on the program. We're going to be chatting with someone who is making waves with the Independent Women's Forum. It's my pleasure to welcome Patrice Anwuka. She is the director of the Center for Economic Opportunity at Independent Women's Forum. The website is iwf.org. She's a political commentator and also a senior fellow with the Philanthropy Roundtable and a Tony Blankley fellow at the Steamboat Institute. She has worked in policy, advocacy, and communications roles in Washington, D.C. for more than a decade. And we're so glad to have you here, Patrice. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be on. So I'm so glad to talk to you, especially in this particular time frame that we're living in, where we have a crisis at the border. We have a lot of different things that people are saying about that crisis. But on the other hand, we have real life experiences of people who have come into America lawfully, and you happen to be one of those people. Um, So you have a piece over at IWF.org. So can you talk to us about this? Uh, Sure. I wrote that piece um, because very often uh, today, the immigrant experience is being lumped together as all one. All people coming from other countries are considered monolithic. (laughs) We all support illegal immigration. That couldn't be farther from the truth. Um, As as you mentioned, I came to this country from the Caribbean uh, when I was just three years old. My parents sold everything, (laughs) packed up and moved to to this uh, cold scary part of Boston with just five suitcases of clothes, Um, but they did it legally, number one, and they sacrificed everything. And and I think that perspective has certainly driven me to, you know, achieve as much as possible and take advantage of all of the opportunities here. And and I think that's true of so many immigrants, um, people who are hardworking, who just want to do better for themselves and their families. And, and, and you know, what they apply through the immigration system is as flawed as it is, but they wait their turn. And there are many more people who are waiting, wondering when they can bring a spouse over, when they can, you know, get a chance at opportunity in this country and are doing so. They're abiding by the laws to do so. So it's, it's disheartening when I see what ha- what's happening at the southern border. And it's also, you know, I, I call it a, um, you know, I call it it's just awful what's happening to the children being brought to this to the southern border and used, frankly, as props by the cartels and by human traffickers. And so I think it's incumbent on President Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris to actually do something. And, and that something may just be going back to the Trump policies that were actually working. So when you talk about the Trump policies that were actually working... We know that's true, right? We, we know that's true. That is not an issue. It's, it's not, this isn't a problem with us acknowledging uh, the realities of how difficult it was. It was a Herculean effort to try to figure out a way without the assistance of Congress. And at one point, uh, President Trump actually had the uh, both houses of Congress were under Republican control, which would have been an amazing time for them to have done immigration reform um, and and closing off the kind of loopholes that enable illegal immigration to occur while expanding or fine tuning lawful immigration so that people like yourself who come here and make a, an amazing uh, contribution to our country 
not only continue to do that, but to promote it because it helps our country. I, I, I don't find anti-immigrant sen- sentiment when I'm talking to people or we're interviewing people or even at events when the, the topic comes up, everyone is in favor of lawful immigration, but they're not in favor of unlawful immigration. And, and it's not that nuanced of a conversation to have. I mean, it's, it's pretty simple. It's the unlawful we don't like, the lawful we absolutely love. Um, and the contributions are just, staggering of people who come here and take advantage of the American experience and the opportunities and make beautiful lives and contribute heavily to what this nation really is. So I, what, what is the, the thing that needs to occur to get Republicans on the same page so that we can actually accomplish something? Because for everything the Democrats are doing, it's wrong. It doesn't work, but they are on the same page and they're unified in getting that unworkable, horrible system that they love working and, and, and going under I mean, it's just the worst circumstances down at the southern border. It is. I mean, I think the challenge for conservatives, you're absolutely right when we look at polling, Gallup polling and, and Pew polling, where there's almost universal support for uh, for immigration, um, legal immigration, that is. And, you know, whether Americans want to increase the levels at which we allow people in or decrease, those kind of fluctuate. But for the most part, most people do want to see immigration continue at least at the same level uh, that we currently have. Um, For conservatives, though, I think the challenge is um, when it comes to labor and the cost of labor. And so when you have illegal immigrants who come here, um, some of them absolutely depress the wages of low-wage workers who are already here. They can be they can be uh, hired for much cheaper. Um, and so for some businesses and some corporations, I think they look at the cost of their bottom line and are willing to, you know, hire some people illegally. That, unfortunately, creates a, the wrong type of incentive. Um, just like the just like the incentive that says, well, we will not turn kids away at the border, uh, creates a, another type of wrong incentive for parents to send their children. Um, so, I think conservatives really have to to, to say, okay, we are going to be about law and order, and that includes uh, uh, when it comes to hiring legal legal workers. Uh, and then, and and maybe that's when you have the conversation about, okay, well, how many visas do we have for different types of workers, for temporary workers, for um, for 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 different statuses, uh, and and that's a good conversation to have. Uh, but until we can at least get behind that, I, I don't think it's you know much is going to be done. And it's unfortunate because yes, we had a pretty good opportunity to at least do something, which is why I think you saw the Trump administration do so much through executive action. Now. Of course, I think Americans recognize that the challenge with executive actions is that the next president can simply undo it with a stroke of a pen. And that is what we've had. And I think what happens is immigration is not just a, it becomes a football. But when we talk about that, we're talking about people's lives and, and we're talking about not just immigration. We're talking about the other issues that it touches. So you're talking about human trafficking. You're talking about drug trafficking because a lot of these cartels, these human smugglers, are using the children at the border as uh, as decoys uh, to you know get the attention of border patrol agents. And so while they're the agents are dealing with the kids, the smugglers are you know a couple miles down the road bringing drugs, bringing guns, and bringing other people across the border. So there's so many facets to this issue, and if conservatives and progressives are serious about actually trying to address it, then, then they'll, they'll do so. But until then, you're going to continue to see what's going on at the border right now. 
Yeah, I I feel like sometimes, you know, obviously when something is behind us, we can always look back with 2020 vision, Patrice, and we can always say, oh, you know, I wish we had done this. I wish we'd done that. But I feel like we missed one of the biggest opportunities that we've had probably in a generation when President Trump was in office and he had the the Congress and, you know, it, it was an opportunity to pass something. And afterwards, he made offers to the Democrats. Hey, let's let's you know, let's make the DACA recipients lawful. I'll trade you that for an end to chain migration or, I'll, you know, what 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 will you trade? Like, let's 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 horse trade a bit. Let's make a deal. But he was only in that position because the Republicans refused to work with him when they did have control. So it was like having the keys and the levers and everything, all the power and just leaving everything sitting on the table to collect dust for two years and then complaining immediately when the voters rightfully so said, well, you're not doing anything. So we'll give part of the, you know, the Congress back to, uh, to the Democrats. We'll give them the house and see what they do with it. And so, uh, you know, it was a wasted opportunity. I sometimes, and you know, not frequently, but every now and again, I'll say to myself, what could we have done? You know, what, what all could we have done if the Republicans could have said, you know, we understand that he insulted many of us and it was a very rough primary season, but this is a once in a lifetime opportunity for us to make change. I don't ever want us to be in that position again. I, I really feel like there's going to be a huge change in uh, the structure of, of Washington, D.C. at the midterms because Americans are already kind of telegraphing that. Polls show that many Americans who are independents don't like what's going on at the southern border, don't like the, the rhetoric around guns and the major changes like the packing of the court. These are things that Americans don't want. So there there may be some changes, but it's not going to be. A presidential change. So there won't be an opportunity to do legislative things. Uh, some of, you know, like the, the American Tax Cuts and Jobs Act that you need the presidency and both chambers of Congress to do things like that. So what, what would you like to see if, if the Republicans take the House back? What do you see as possible for that last two years of the Biden uh, administration's first term? Well, I do think that doing something about the dreamers is possible because there is uh, such universal, frankly, awareness <clears throat> and recognition that uh, these children were brought by no other, by no choice of their own. Um, and it's about, what, six or 700,000 young people across the country. Um, they, many of them do contribute in very various ways, whether they're in educate, whether they're getting educations or working uh, or even in the military. So you can address the dreamers and take those off, take those young people off the table. They're, they've been used as a, a bargaining chip in the past, so why not address those those folks? Uh, number two, I, I do think that you can uh, you can deal you, using I, I shouldn't say using, but because of the pandemic, the pandemic does offer an opportunity to say, okay, we actually need to ensure that our from a public health standpoint. Our policies when it comes to who's, who's coming across our borders is, is consistent. I mean, today we just saw that the Biden administration is going to be curtailing all uh, travel from between India and the United States for the very reason of the <laughs> pandemic, strains of the pandemic. So mm-hmm. if we're curtailing immigration from India because of the pandemic, why can't we make that same argument about those coming across the southern border? We know that there are immigrants crossing who have COVID-19. We know that uh, because this, there's limited space that the government has to house those individuals while they're being, while their asylum claims are being processed, uh, that puts them at risk. It puts the, uh, the, the people that they're around at risk. 
So why not implement and say, okay, these children, if they're testing positive, we've got to send them back. We could, we could do that for the adults as well. So I think there's some consistencies in, in policies that you can uh, deal with, that you can address from a, a health and human uh, health standpoint. Um, when it comes to the big issue about amnesty, I don't think anybody is going to come to any agreement on that. I don't believe in amnesty. I don't believe that we should uh, create a new huge magnet uh, for more illegal immigration by simply granting legal uh, full citizenship status to all of the 11 million people who are here illegally. Uh, but it's worth a conversation about if you were to grant some sort of legal status to those folks, what would that look like? And, you know, as, as Stacey, I'm sure you're aware, President Biden has been supportive of studies and commissions on reparations. I think you can have a study or a commission on uh, on what that would, on, on legal status for those who are here illegally. Uh, and maybe that's something that could get done. Um, and, and, and at least that would be a step forward. Uh, but something has to be done. And it's not going to, you know, it, like entitlement reforms, we can't continue to kick it down the road and think that somebody else will address it. It has to be some, it has to be this Congress and it has to be now. So, yeah, those are difficult conversations because I'm, I, I agree with you. We can't have amnesty. But the fact that the Supreme Court kind of sided with an executive order that President Obama wrote about dreamers being able to stay in the country instead of sticking with our, uh, you know, already existing immigration law is the reason, part of the reason why we have 20,000 new children in the country that have come mm -hmm. over the southern border. And when we say, you know, they came here through no fault of their own. Well, yes, but if we use that as our standard, Every country on the globe can send their children through the southern border and we could have hundreds of thousands of, of uh, children who came here through no fault of their own that we would then be responsible for caring for. And that stands in stark contrast to the 97,000 plus uh, black children who are in foster care system across the country. And then there are a few hundred thousand children from every background in our foster care system. And those are orphans who often languish in the system until they're 18 and then are showed, shown the door with, you know, a check for 25 or a hundred dollars and no place to go. They're not college ready. They don't have jobs. They don't have, you know, uh, any, family or relations that can receive them. And if you think about it from the perspective of moms, your children are smaller, but I, I have college age kids. They're not prepared to walk out of my front door. We have one graduating in a couple of weeks. She's not ready to take a check from 20 or, you know, $25 check and walk out into the world and take care of herself. And you know, that's not because she grew up in our house. That's because she's going to be 18 over the summer. No child is ready to do that on their own. And we don't take care of those kids. And so it's to me, uh, it's immoral for us to invite children from foreign countries into our country and take care of them and not take care of kids who are orphaned. They're American citizens and they don't have anyone to rely on. And we're turning them out into the streets of America and saying, you know, you can make it on your own. I, I just think we're, we're, we're going down the wrong path and difficult conversations have to be had. And you've kind of laid the groundwork here in sharing from your perspective as a lawful immigrant and someone who really you you've done the most you've come here and made a beautiful life for yourself and you contribute to our policy and analysis and all the conversations that are so important for us to have uh so i just i'm really grateful that you could join us today and i think we got a good start on having that conversation and maybe prodding some people to think well about how we can do this better because right now it's a travesty 
Well, and, and Stacey, just to tack on to your point, I mean, I think you spoke passionately, so passionately about um, the kids in our foster care system, you know, and, and how, uh, and I absolutely agree, we do not want to prioritize children, other children before our own. Uh, and just to, you know, give illustrate this example even more for our listeners out there. I mean, during COVID-19 in California, I don't know how many parents were not frustrated uh, that you saw kids at the border getting full educations, literally being in school, in, in, in person, uh, and their children could not mm-hmm. be in school. They had to be, de- they had to be educated per, uh, virtually. There, mm-hmm. the, these inconsistencies, uh, these, you know, um, it might be called hypocrisy, I don't know, um, but this is, this is part of what's happening. And, and so until, <laughs> until our, our policymakers in Congress actually makes d- decides what to do about children coming to the border, be inconsistent from a health standpoint and from every other standpoint, then we're going to continue to see situations like this occur. So, you know, I, 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 again, uh, Americans are the most welcoming nation. I mean, we, we welcome a million people to this country. And as you rightly started out saying, uh, the, just watch Shark Tank on any given night, and you might be surprised at how many of those entrepreneurs who get a deal with the sharks <laughs> are from another country. Some of the sharks themselves talk about their immigrant story. So it's not a matter of we don't, be, we don't want immigrants. It's that we want a process that should be transparent so you can understand how, it, how, to be, how to come to this country, what the process is going to look like, and what your likelihood of getting an approved visa or not, um, rather than you know, allowing swaths of people to come illegally and creating that kind of pull magnet um, uh, you know, through amnesty programs, even through, frankly, kind of the DACA program. So mm-hmm. these are hard hard but they are necessary. Otherwise, we will continually find ourselves in 20 years asking and trying to answer the same questions. I know. I, 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 that's where we are right now. 20 years ago, yeah. smart people were having these same conversations. Only the issues have, uh, I think they've come to a finer point and, and it's even more difficult now because, uh, you know, it, there was a time where if you wanted to know something, you were reading old news because you were getting it from a newspaper that was delivered to you once a day. Now we know up to the minute news, what's happening on the border, what's happening with, you know, immigrant stories across the country. And it's important for us to acknowledge um, it's a human suffering story that does not have to be in our advanced country. We can do better than this. And I, I sincerely hope that after the midterms, we see a shift directionally, towards some common sense there. Patrice Anwuka, you have been fantastic. You're also, just want to add for the listeners, Fox News, Fox Business News, PBS programs, you're on all of those. You host a column yeah. called The New Agenda for Black Women on Newsmax.com. I didn't know that. I'm going to check that out. You're also a contributor to The Washington Examiner and The Hill. Your opinions have also appeared in The Washington Post, USA Today, CNBC, Bloomberg, and other prominent outlets. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you, Stacey. And folks can go to IWF.org to read about all of this and more. And I just put a new Newsmax column up today praising Senator Tim Scott and talking about why we need more leaders like him. Awesome. We will actually, I'll I'll tweet that out for people and I'll put it on the show notes for tonight's program. Uh, Thank you so much, Patrice. Are you looking for an affordable health care option? Are you upset by the health insurance options offered by the ACA? 
Head over to StacyOnTheRight.com and click the banner ad for the Alliance for Shared Health to sign up for health sharing. ASH is a health share ministry with over 40,000 households participating. As a member, you share in the financial burden of health care expenses, including need sharing for critical illness, accidents, dental, and vision. You can access the virtual care provider at zero cost, pick up your prescription from the pharmacy using the share prescription card, and order lab and imaging tests at discounts of up to 80%. Open enrollment is now. Don't miss out on the chance to save 50 to 70% on your monthly premiums while making a difference in the lives of others who share your value use. Reach out to Ash today. Head over to StacyOnTheRight.com and click the banner ad to sign up now. That's StacyOnTheRight.com. Click the banner ad and start sharing and saving today. The Alliance for Shared Health, changing healthcare, changing lives. So, you know, I love it when we have a great guest and I love being here with you on a podcast hosted by FamilyVisionMedia.org. Find out more at StacyOnTheRight.com and don't forget to visit our advertiser, The Alliance for Shared Health. Stacey on the right.com.